Live from the historic parsonage of 19th century gospel minister George Norcross in downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania. It's Iron Sharpens Iron, a radio platform on which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs 27 verse 17 tells us, Iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, quote, We are cautioned to take heed whom we converse with, and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next hour, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. Now here's our host, Chris Arnton. Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living on the planet Earth who are listening via live streaming at ironsharpensironradio.com. This is Chris Arnson, your host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, wishing you all a happy Thursday on this 24th day of August 2017. And I'm so delighted to have on the program uh, a first-time guest again. In fact, he is a close friend of the guest that we had on yesterday, Pastor Chris Roseborough of Pirate Christian Radio. Today, our guest is the Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard, who is pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota. We are going to be addressing his book, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs. And it's my honor and privilege to welcome you for the very first time to Iron Trip and Zion, Dr. Matt Richard. Thank you, Chris. Good to be here. And in studio with me is my co-host, the Reverend Buzz Taylor. And once again, it's a joy to be here, and it sounds like a wonderful subject that we're covering today. And if anybody would like to join us on the air with a question of your own, our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Please give us your first name, your city and state, and your country of residence if you live outside of the USA. And please only remain anonymous if it's about a personal and private matter that you are asking about. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you with your questions. Whether you agree with our guest, whether you disagree, or whether you're just not certain, we would love to hear from you. That's chrisarnson at gmail.com. Well, uh, before we get into something about your own background, because... Uh, very often, uh, in fact, most often when I interview a first-time guest, I like to hear something about the religion of their childhood and basically their, their testimony of how they providentially came to really be convinced that Jesus Christ is their Lord, God, and Savior. And in the case of a minister of the gospel like you, uh, how you knew that you had that call placed upon your life. Uh, to become a pastor. But before that, why don't you let our listeners know about Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota. Yeah, yeah, I serve at Zion Lutheran Church uh, here in Gwinner, North Dakota, and uh, it's a smaller town just southwest of Fargo in the southeast corner of North Dakota. And not sure if your listeners or yourself, if you're uh, familiar with Bobcat Skid Steer, the Bobcat machinery at all, the black and white Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're actually manufactured right in this uh, town here. Wow. So imagine, if you imagine a factory that employs 1,500 people in the middle of a North Dakota prairie, uh, that's our town. So we have a huge factory with just a bunch of houses and churches and a school surrounding the factory. So we're 
a little factory town just uh, southwest of Fargo, about an hour. And so I've been at this church for about four years now. And so serving the wonderful uh, Blessed Saints here at Zion Lutheran, it's just a, a wonderful privilege, wonderful people, and uh, just kind of a quaint, quiet little uh, community that we get to, uh, you know, my family and I get to live and get to preach and proclaim Christ. So that's kind of the context of winter. And uh, which synod is Zion Lutheran Church a part of? Yeah, Zion Lutheran Church is a part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And uh, I think, you know, yesterday I just tuned in briefly with uh, Pastor Chris Rosebro. And so, you know, Chris is a very good friend, and, and he's in a sister synod. We, we are, uh, his synod and, and uh, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod are, we would classify as very conservative uh, Lutherans. Um, so conservative uh, theologically, uh, ethically speaking, and uh, uh, we have kind of a, a rich history of uh, some of the, the, the ancient ways of the church that, that get brought into the church as well. And so, um, yeah, the, the Zion Church here has been here since 1908 uh, in this uh, community. So it's over 100 years old. Wow. And, uh, some, again, some wonderful people here. Well, I don't know if you're a Cheers fan, but one of the funniest jokes I ever saw on Cheers that actually made me laugh so hard that I'm sure that the neighbors in the, uh, all around my house and perhaps even in neighboring towns heard me laughing. Uh, I don't know if you recall uh, the character Woody mm-hmm. in Cheers, but uh, he came into the bar crying his eyes out and everybody was asking what was wrong and he had to break up with his fiance, And they said, why'd you have to break up with her? And he said, I found out that she was a member of another religion. And he says, another religion? I thought you were both Lutherans. He goes, yeah, but I'm Missouri Synod and she's the Evangelical <laughs> Lutheran Church of America. <laughs> yep, yep, no, I'm familiar with that scene. It's a great scene. Yes. Yep, great uh, scene. In fact, uh, even though it was intended to be a joke, they are really different religions, aren't they? The Missouri well, yeah, Synod Lutheran and the Elka Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Yeah, yeah, actually quite, quite a bit of differences. And it really it stems back to... Uh, the way that we approach Scripture. Um, do, we, do we stand above Scripture as authority, or do we stand underneath Scripture, and the Scripture, the scripture speaks to us? Yeah, well, believe it or not, I've, I've met on rare occasions conservative Bible-believing Elka ministers. Uh, they do exist, at least they did a number of years ago when I recall meeting uh, a couple at Bible conferences that I was attending. Why they stay there, I don't know. But uh, tell us something about your own uh, childhood, the religion of your youth, uh, and uh, when you came to recognize, this, recognize that uh, you needed Jesus Christ as your Lord, God, and Savior, and then later on received, you realized you received the call to the ministry. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, like my wife, you know, I don't really remember a time not having Christ. I mean, Christ... Uh, has been with me, you know, always. Uh, but there's different degrees, I think, and many times we see this with individuals, uh, different degrees of, of change and understanding. And I've often told people that uh, typically with life, um, what happens is when you come to a greater realization of your own sinfulness and your own failures um, as, a, as a human being, uh, so the greater you see your sin, the, the, the greater you see the need of a Savior. In fact, I think John Newton once that said, he said, I know two things in this life. I know that I'm a great sinner, and I have an even greater Savior. Yeah. So, you know, I'm thinking back, uh, you know, one of the times was, you know, when I was four or five, you know, really kind of uh, coming to, to understand my sin in, in the way that 
uh, man, you know, I, I, I you know, like stole the cookie from the cookie jar, jar and I'm, I'm really in need of a Savior. I remember Mom proclaiming those beautiful truths of the gospel, that Jesus loves me and he has forgiven me. And then, you know, you go through those stages. I remember going through struggle, you know, 13, 14 years old, you know, having a new realization that not only do I sin, but I want to sin. And then, boy, that brings a whole different dimension, understanding that uh, it's a war with my sinful nature, that um, the, the Lord God, the Holy Spirit, through the Word, is going to have to uh, crucify, continually kill off the sinful nature. And then, you know, there's an intellectual struggle later on in college that many people go through uh, where I almost left the Christian faith. I really uh, had a lot of doubts and challenges and, uh, you know, really kind of took, took, took to the Word to really study the Word and uh, to, to kind of process it, you know, more of the intellectual uh, level. Um, and so it was about that time, after going through that kind of bout, um, you know, struggling with the Christian faith, intellectually speaking, um, where I always say the Lord, He won, um, you know, <laughs> that I was captivated by His Word. And then uh, around that time, I was involved with helping out with youth ministries during college. And so I really, really wanted to go down the road of, of being a youth pastor. And uh, the only way to do that kind of in, in, in our, that background, that context, was to go to seminary. So I set off for seminary with, with no intention of being a senior pastor, really no intention of being in the pulpit preaching. Uh, I just wanted to work with youth ministries. And uh, long story short, I went to seminary for three years and then uh, served some time out in uh, uh, Southern California at a church and uh, doing youth ministries. And then through a series of events, you know, um, you know with marriage and children, the uh, Lord just ends up kind of, you know, moving you along. And so I've been, uh, you know, in, in the pastor role, not necessarily with youth. I still work with youth, but I've uh, uh, been, you know, overseeing the church, almost like a senior pastor type role for the last, uh, let's see, it's been about the last nine to ten years. And so um, that's kind of how that all came about. So with no, no intention of being a preaching pastor by any means or no intention of writing a book or anything like that, just wanted to use ministries and uh, through through the you know growth in my family and the children and uh, uh, you know I guess the Lord um, shifting and changing your, your gifts uh, found myself in the pulpit preaching and proclaiming so that's kind of a little brief context great and uh, well this is a quite a captivating uh, title uh, of your uh, new book uh, I, I meet in fact I contacted uh, Concordia Publishing House immediately after seeing an advertising f an advertisement for it on the internet and I said I've got to interview this guy uh, without question and I and I checked up with a couple of of my Missouri Synod Lutheran friends uh, to ask about you and they all wholeheartedly said oh yeah you got to get Matt Richard on uh, your program so the the title of this book as we said earlier is Will the real Jesus please stand up? Twelve false Christs. Quite a captivating uh, title. What led you uh, to write this book to begin with? Well, actually, uh, surprisingly, I mean, this kind of kind of coincidence that you had uh, Chris on yesterday. Chris Rosebro, he he lives up in Grand Forks, which is which is just two hours north of where I'm at. Um, he he called me several years ago and he said, you know. Uh, Matt, I want to put together a conference here in Grand Forks on the uh, solas of the Reformation, you know, uh, faith alone, Christ alone, and the Word alone. And uh, so he said, well, I'd like to have you come up and speak. You know, you're local, so it won't cost a whole lot for transportation. And so I went up there with another uh, gentleman, another fellow pastor, and myself, and then Chris, and we presented on the uh, Reformation, the, uh, 
solo, sola is what we would say, the, the uh, Christ alone, faith alone, the word alone. And so I was given the topic of Christ alone, and so uh, I wrote a, a lecture, a, a paper for that presentation, and it kind of dawned on me that when we talk about Jesus, uh, we kind of have to stop and pause and say, are we all talking about the same Jesus? And um, one of the tendencies is this, is in our culture, you can say to almost anybody, you know, do, do you like Jesus? Do you support Jesus? And I think for the most part, I think most people in our culture would, you know, have a positive uh, feeling towards Jesus. I mean, in fact, <laughs> I was uh, turning through um, the channels the other day, and, and, and it just so happened uh, uh, that uh, show, uh, The View, uh, I, I don't want to confess <laughs> I'm a watcher, but uh, I happened to turn on it, and maybe this is my confession here, but they, they were talking about uh, spirituality and Christianity, and I found um, the, the ladies, they were all very positive and very affirming of Jesus. And so I think we live in a culture where we can no longer assume that when we say the name Jesus that we're assuming that we're talking about the same Jesus. And so back to that paper, I, I set out in that paper to write, um, you know, Christ, that we confess Christ and then him alone. But before we can confess Christ, we have to ask, what Christ are we talking about? So the paper went through and identified uh, about six or seven different views of who Jesus is not. And so before I defined who Christ was, I said, well, we have to define who he's not. And then through a series of events, um, that lecture was taped and recorded and put on video. And a representative from Concordia Publishing House happened to stumble across it and gave me a call and said, you know, uh, Pastor Richard, we, we came across your lecture um, on Christ alone and the false Christ, and we think that would make a fun book. And would you consider it? So I kicked it around, and, and through a series of events, I said, you know, let, let's go for it. And they gave me a couple editors, and we started working on it. And we went from six false Christs up to eight, and then we made it up to ten. And I thought, well, we'll make it a, you know, an even dozen. So we got it up to 12 false Christs uh, that, that are really prevalent in our culture. And there's, obviously, there's more than just 12, but these are 12 that I uh, had identified for the book. Yeah, I'm assuming that instead of getting uh, increasingly excited and enthusiastic as you started to develop more material about the addition of more false Christ, you were actually plunging into a deeper depression about it because of the all these ways that the, the uh, that society and humanity in general uh, falsely view Christ. I, I can I can vividly remember a uh, an episode of one of Bill Maher's programs, Bill Maher, the very anti-Christian uh, comedian who has a couple of cable television programs, and I was watching that day because he had on the panel a Calvinist uh, author or blogger uh, on, his, uh, on his program, which actually surprised me, uh, a, a very open conservative Christian who was a Calvinist. And uh, he was saying uh, something about the exclusivity of Christ and that uh, no one comes to the Father but through Christ and no one is going to heaven without trusting in the shed blood of Christ and so on. And he was talking about hell. And Bill Maher said to this guest, that doesn't sound anything like the Jesus we all know and love. And the first, it was this, this was the first time I ever saw Bill Maher at a total loss for words the guest shut him up for about 10 seconds at least and he said 
Mr. Marr, you don't know the first thing about Jesus. And I was taken aback how Bill Marr, uh, as I said, he was just tongue-tied. He didn't know what to say. Um, but uh, my co-host, Reverend Buzz Taylor, has something to say. Well, I just think before we get too involved in the subject that uh, it seems there's some influence of another TV program called To Tell the Truth. Yeah. So you're saying yeah. that he's telling <laughs> yeah. the truth today, our guest. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. no. That's entirely <laughs> where it's pulled from. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, Chris must be too young to know that. Oh, I remember to tell the truth, but what are you referring to? <laughs> Will oh, <the> oh. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. That uh, when the, uh, the people would have blindfolds on or something like that. They would, they would have three people pose, well, one real and two fake. Right. And they would ask the, questions. And the, pa- and the panelists yes. said blindfolds. Right, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I'm not yep, that. Yep. And the very, at the very end, they would ask the real person to stand up, and he would stand up, and the two frauds would be exposed. And yep, yep, that that definitely. Um, I I can't say I watched that. My, I'm a little bit younger in age, but I remember watching reruns of that. So that definitely came into play uh, when naming the the title of this book. Yeah, and for some reason, I knew that when I saw the the print ad for it on the internet, uh, or the graphic ad, I guess I should say. Uh, but it just uh, dislodged from my memory until Buzz just reminded me. Um, well, uh, what has been the feedback that you've gotten uh, from this? Uh, has anybody complained that you would dare to question uh, anyone else's personal view of Jesus Christ? You know, uh, surprisingly, I was, I was kind of expecting to get some hate mail on this, but for the most part, um, actually... Not, I, I don't know of any uh, huge critiques. Everything that I've gotten from people has been very, very positive and very, very helpful. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had the uh, common response, which I chuckle at. You know, people have said, you know, it's much better than I thought. <laughs> so I, I guess that's better to have that than the other way around. Um, but I think, I think what um, really helps with this book, and this is what we were being very conscientious of, the editors and I, when writing this book, is since we're picking all false Christ and since... Um, this book is designed in a way where you meet fictitious people who have actually subscribed to false Christ. It can be very, very applicable when a person reads it. They can um, identify these false Christs in themselves and their neighbors, which can indeed get a little bit sensitive. We may be hit too close to home. And so the overarching theme of the book has to be, uh, it, was, it was written in the context of compassion, of a pastoral compassion where we're not exposing these false Christs to beat people over the head but we're exposing them because they're ultimately fake, false idols uh, that have imprisoned people in false doctrine, false truth, uh, which is a kind of an oxymoron, but, but lies of the evil one. And these false Christs, ultimately, they don't bleed and die and suffer and rise for the forgiveness of our sins. So embracing a false Christ is actually detrimental to a person. So uh, the compassion of the book hopefully comes through the very pastoral heart where we expose, where the book exposes these false Christ, but does it in such a way that's pastoral and gentle, and then delivers the real Jesus to the reader, uh, the one who is indeed uh, standing, uh, the one who is resurrected with nailed, scarred hands for the forgiveness of sins. Yeah, like a person would be very tragically misled and mistaken and deceived if he or she were to think that they are somehow safe just because they claim they love a Jesus. Sometimes I will have uh, listeners to my program or people who just overhear something I'm saying in, in a conversation at a gathering, perhaps it's a social gathering or something, 
and they'll uh, they'll uh, hear me um, identifying a certain religious group that may claim to be Christian. Uh, and they'll hear me identifying them as f- a false religion where there is no hope of salvation. And the retort will be, they love Jesus. How can you say that? They love Jesus. There seems to be something that people think keeps them safe just because they say they love Jesus, even though it may be a Jesus that is a figment of their own imagination, a Jesus that purely exists in greeting cards, and, uh, you know, a a Jesus that uh, is a little uh, better or more powerful than Mr. Rogers, perhaps Mr. Rogers with the ability to create miracles or uh, something like that. They, 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 don't, they don't seem to be concerned about how specifically this Jesus is defined uh, and uh, the attributes of this Jesus and the details of this being Jesus. They don't seem to be all that concerned about that as long as you love Jesus, whoever that Jesus may be or whatever that Jesus may be. Now, that's, a, that's a tragic thing to uh, take hold of, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And it really comes down to uh, the, probably the most important question we can ask ourselves is who do we believe Jesus to be? Uh, you know, so we can say Jesus. But again, you know, what we've already hit thus far is who do we say that he is? I mean, this is the question that uh, Jesus asks of Peter. You know, who do people say that I am? And uh, we even see with the Apostle Peter who walked with Jesus and ate with him and, and was side by side with uh, him for those several years of ministry, uh, some 2,000 years ago, and even Peter himself, he had misguided views of who Jesus was. In fact, I mean, uh, when Jesus goes and explains to him that he is the Savior who's going to bleed and die and suffer, you know, at the hands of the authorities and be bloodied up on a cross, uh, Peter himself, he, he, he stands up to Jesus, says, may this never be. And in fact, what he's essentially doing is, I, I embrace you, Jesus, but that description of yourself as a bleeding and dying Savior, that's too much. I don't want to have any part of that. That's not going to happen. And we see Jesus going from uh, telling Peter that upon this rock of this confession of who I am, the church is going to be built upon this confession, this great confession that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. He goes from that to condemning Peter and saying, get behind me, Satan. So uh, the reality is we see that the apostles, they even got his identity wrong at times. Um, in, in processing who he was, and so he had to correct them, the apostles, who were right there with him. So to think that we are somehow immune from that uh, is, is, is rather naive, and I, I don't mean to be harsh when I say that, but you look at Peter who gets his identity wrong and needs to be corrected, well, we definitely get, need to be corrected ourselves constantly by the Word of God coming to us, and as Jesus reveals himself in the Scriptures, what he has done for us and who his identity, you know, what, what his identity is really about. I want to read a little blurb here from a pastor, Brian Wolf Mueller of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. He's also the author of Has American Christianity Failed? And by the way, any of our listeners, especially our Lutheran listeners who may want to listen to my interview with Pastor Brian Wolf Mueller, God willing, on October 4th, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. You might want to mark that down on your calendars. Brian Wolf Mueller will be on October 4th to discuss Has American Christianity Failed? But he has said about uh, the book we are discussing, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? 
Uh, will the real Jesus please stand up? Will challenge, equip, and most especially comfort you? I'm assuming that the comfort is coming from your revelation at some point in the book, uh, who the real Jesus is and the gospel of grace and mercy uh, that only he could offer. Yes, absolutely. And, and again, uh, these false Christs, they're, they're figments of our imagination, and, and they're really propped up uh, like a puppet. They're propped up with uh, you know, strings dangled by our own assumptions and our own imagination. Uh, but in the face of uh, sin, death, and the devil, they, they, they don't stand at all. Um, and that is the reason why we need the real Jesus. And so there's, there's a, a, an essence of repentance that needs to happen, being brought to repentance of our own idolatry that we do with Christ, how we fabricate him in our own mind, which is indeed painful. Repentance hurts. Uh, being brought to a realization of our sin, it, 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 there's a grinding to that that hurts. But it is good because then it opens us up to receive and to hear about the real Jesus, uh, again, who, who lived and died and, and uh, was crucified buried and resurrected uh, for us. And uh, that's the beautiful message of, of the gospel, that this Christ now who is living uh, not only died for us, but he's risen for us, and that uh, we belong to him, that he has purchased us uh, not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood. And uh, that's the comfort that we have, uh, knowing that these other false Christs, they, they're going to change, uh, uh, go left and right, depending on our own imagination. But this Christ, the Christ, uh, stands above it all. He's not only the creator, um, you know, you know, the creator uh, of this world, um, but he is the one who holds all things, and he will come back someday uh, to judge the living and the dead. And that we are in him, uh, that he will look to us and say, "Job well done, good and faithful servant," and uh, he will give us uh, resurrected bodies and and uh, get to be with him forever. So it is wonderful gospel uh, to be and to know Christ, uh, the real Jesus. Amen. Well, when we come back from our first break, we're going to have our guest uh, today uh, comment on the first of the false twelve, uh, uh, the first of the twelve false Christs, uh, the mascot, Jesus the mascot, and we'll have him explain what he means by that. And uh, we'll get to as many of these false Christs as we can today. I don't know if we'll be able to get to all 12 in a two-hour program. People think that, 12 hour, that uh, two hours is an extremely long time for a radio program. It's really not when you're getting into an, uh, an exciting topic, a fascinating topic, a challenging topic. It can go by like a bullet, and I'm, I'm sure today will go by uh, just as quickly as a speeding bullet. But uh, we will try to get to as many of those as we can, and we'll try to get to as many of your questions. You, the listeners, will try to get to as many of your questions as we can throughout the remainder of the broadcast. But for any of you who would like to join those already online waiting for their questions to be asked and answered, you can go to uh, send an email to chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. And please remember to always give us your first name, your city and state, and your country of residence if you live outside of the USA. And if it's a personal and private question, you may remain anonymous if it makes you feel more comfortable. Don't go away. God willing, we'll be right back with Dr. Matt Richard right after these messages from our sponsors. One sure way all Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners can help keep my show on the air is to support my advertisers. 
I know you all use batteries every day, so I'm urging you all from now on to exclusively use BatteryDepot.com for all your battery needs. At BatteryDepot.com, they're changing the status quo. They're flipping the script. They're sticking it to the man. In other words, they'd like to change the battery industry for good by providing an extensive inventory of top-of-the-line batteries that are uniformly new, dependable, and affordable. Ordering from BatteryDepot.com ensures you'll always get fresh out-of-the-box batteries you can count on to work properly at competitive prices. Whether you need batteries for cordless phones, cell phones, radios, PCs, laptops, tablets, baby monitors, hearing aids, smoke detectors, credit card readers, digital cameras, electronic cigarettes, GPSs, MP3 players, watches, or nearly anything else you own that needs batteries. Go to BatteryDepot.com. Next day shipping available. All products protected by 30-day guarantees and six-month warranties. Call 866-403-3768. That's 866-403-3768. Or go to BatteryDepot.com. That's BatteryDepot.com. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Hi, I'm Buzz Taylor, frequent co-host with Chris Arnson on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I would like to introduce you to my good friends Todd and Patty Jennings at CVBBS, which stands for Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. Todd and Patty specialize in supplying Reformed and Puritan books and Bibles at discount prices that make them affordable to everyone. Since 1987, the family-owned and operated book service has sought to bring you the best available Christian books and Bibles at the best possible prices. Unlike other book sites, they make no effort to provide every book that is available because, frankly, much of what is being printed is not worth your time. That means you can get to the good stuff faster. It also means that you don't have to worry about being assaulted by the pornographic, heretical, and otherwise faith-insulting material promoted by the secular book vendors. Their website is cvbbs.com. Browse the pages at ease, shop at your leisure, and purchase with confidence as Todd and Patty work in service to you, the church, and to Christ. That's Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service at cvbbs.com. That's cvbbs.com. Let Todd and Patty know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio.
Iron Sharpens Iron welcomes solid rock remodeling to our family of sponsors. Serving South Central Pennsylvania, solid rock remodeling is focused on discovering, understanding, and exceeding your expectations. They deliver personalized project solutions with exceptional results. Solid Rock Remodeling offers a full range of home renovations, including kitchen and bath remodeling, decks, porches, windows and doors, roof and siding, and more. For a clear, detailed professional estimate, call this trustworthy team of problem solvers who provide superior results that stand the test of time. Call Solid Rock Remodeling at 717-697-1981. 717-697-1981 or visit solidrockremodeling.com that's solidrockremodeling.com Solid Rock Remodeling bringing new life to your home Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko inviting you to tune in to A Visit to the Pastor's Study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WLIE Radio, www.wlie540am.com. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the Pastor's Study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, and I assure you, never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time for a visit to the Pastor's Study because everyone needs a pastor. Welcome back. This is Chris Arns, and if you just tuned in to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, our guest today for the full two hours with 90 minutes to go is Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota, a congregation within the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. We are discussing, will the real Jesus please stand up, 12 false Christs, and that is the new book by Dr. Richard. If you'd like to join us on the air with a question of your own uh, for Dr. Richard, uh, just send us an email to chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. And give us your, at least your first name, your city and state, and your country of residence if you live outside the USA. And please only remain anonymous if it's about a personal and private matter. And before we went to the break, as you know, uh, Dr. Richard, uh, we uh, addressed the very first, or at least we identified the very first in the list of 12 false Christs that you address in the book. And the first is the mascot, if you could explain yeah, the mascot is is a very very popular false Christ in our day and age, and uh, if we can think of just briefly think of uh, a mascot for a sports team, uh, we we have just down the road from us in Fargo, North Dakota, the NDSU Bison, and uh, I take my family there all the time for the football games, and we just love the Bison. They uh, have done several national championships, uh, FCS, and uh, they have a, a mascot named Thundar. He's a big Bison, and the neat thing with Thundar. Is Thundar cheers on the uh, Bison no matter what is going on. I mean, they could be losing a hundred to nothing, and Thundar would be the only one in the stadium cheering on uh, the the Bison football team. And so this false Christ is much like that. It's a mascot, and this false Christ cheers on individuals in whatever they do in life, uh, no matter how sinful. Uh, this mascot uh, false Christ is all about people being happy. Uh, uh, actualizing their pleasure in their life. And so with this false Christ, you're not going to hear anything such as hell or judgment. Uh, you're not going to hear anything that condemns something as sin. Uh, in fact, this false Christ is all going to be about 
uh, maximizing pleasure and the pursuit of happiness at all costs uh, for the individual Christian. Yeah, um, sometimes people even sad to say people that I believe are truly my brother and brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, their emotions and their sent sentimentality uh, can overcome uh, their, their duty as Christians to tell the truth and evangelize uh, the lost with the facts about the gospel, the facts about the sinfulness of man, the facts about uh, hell and heaven, and so the, even though they may believe certain things and certain truths, vital truths regarding Jesus and the gospel themselves, they candy coat these things when they are telling others about them because they're more concerned, at least at that moment, they're more concerned about that person's feelings than their never dying souls. Or perhaps they're more concerned about their friendship with this uh, individual or individuals than they are over their souls and, and, and more so than their uh, need to obey Christ when they, when they evangelize. Uh, isn't this a, a tragedy that the people tend to be more concerned about the feelings of others and the friendship of others than they are over where they will spend eternity? Yeah, th this false Christ uh, definitely gets along with about almost anybody and uh, really at the heart of this, and not to, not to throw out uh, $30 words here, but really at the heart of this false Christ is something called hedonism. Uh, hedonism is basically an ideology. It's an ancient ideology uh, that basically says to us that uh, whatever brings us pleasure is the pursuit that we should pursue. So uh, if, if it's good, it makes you happy, and if you are sad, then it must be bad. So we base um, our ethics upon that which gives pleasure. So if it makes you happy, as the, uh, uh, the old rocker, uh, was it uh, Cheryl Crow, she, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. Um, but if it doesn't make you happy, uh, then it must be very, very bad. And so in this first chapter, we actually meet uh, a lady named Jillian. And so again, these, each chapter has these fictitious stories based upon real-life events uh, that I've encountered these false Christs in. And so we meet Jillian, and she's on an airplane, and she's struggling because the Jesus um, that she embraces is quite different than the Jesus of, of her parents and her pastor and the church that she grew up in. And uh, for her, uh, you know, when she looks at Jesus, uh, she cannot understand or have a Jesus in her life that would cause her any amount of sadness. And so the Jesus that she has embraced is the Jesus that will... Uh, to see to her having pleasure at all costs. And really what is fundamentally at work is this idea of hedonism, which is um, that which makes you happy is good and that which makes you sad is bad. And she's taken that and she's uh, hoisted and she's placed that upon uh, Christ, creating a false Jesus in her mind. And again, that's coming back to the, the mascot, the false Christ I call the mascot, the one who cheers Jillian, Jillian on in whatever she does. And so uh, this false crisis is all about happiness, all about, uh, you know, uh, a pleasure for her. And so therefore, this false crisis is never going to mention hell. It's never going to mention the law, God's law, uh, because God's law would point out her sin. And so this is a, a Jesus that has been stripped of hell, stripped of the law, and injected with the pursuit of pleasure at all costs. You know, this, uh, I don't know if you have another false Christ's 
that uh, more directly relates to this uh, idea uh, or this uh, category of professing Christians, and I, and I emphasize the word professing, uh, but it sounds a lot like in, in a different way than the one you described uh, as far as uh, the, um, the Jesus of the average person that doesn't want to let go of their idols in life. Uh, it, but it, it sounds even a lot like uh, the Word of Faith movement, the Name It and Claim It movement, the Prosperity Gospel movement, uh, this, uh, this uh, idea of, of hedonism where the, the seems that the main emphasis of these preachers, these prosperity preachers, is that if you come to Christ, and especially uh, if you give them money, uh, you will achieve the the uh, the you will uh, reach the goals of your of your dreams uh, in hedonistic pleasure of all kinds. Yeah, you know, believe it or not, that's uh, actually chapter five um, in the book, and chapter five is on uh, the false Christ called the giver of bling, and that giver <laughs> you know, <laughs> that giver of bling is all about. It's very similar, like I said, it's very very similar to the mascot and all these false Christ. Now he. I should back up a little bit. All these false Christs, they all contain an element of truth of the real Jesus, but then they're adjusted ever so slightly based upon what we would say the presuppositions, based upon the assumptions of the person. So like a strainer, they take the real Jesus of the Bible and they strain out that which is uh, you know, unpleasurable to them, that which they don't want to embrace. And then the aspects where maybe he's lacking, they'll add an expansion pack of, of different ideas upon uh, Jesus. So, so people basically will take Jesus and they strain away that which they don't like and they apply uh, to, the, to, to the real Jesus things that they want to enhance him with, all to suit their own fancy. And so, again, all of these false Christs, they all have elements of truth to them, but they're adjusted either by taking away or adding to them. And so the mascot is, is indeed a flavor of a, of a false Christ that is very, very closely connected to the giver of bling. And the giver of bling is all about rejecting suffering and is about this prosperity theology where by actualizing and having enough faith, if you have enough faith as like some sort of deposit or some sort of way of actualizing and engaging this false Christ, then this false Christ is going to dispense health, wealth, and prosperity. Well, the next false uh, Christ that uh, you address is uh, probably uh, the most common globally, uh, and that is the option among many. Yes, uh, the option among many. We, we meet an individual uh, named Tamar, and uh, I meet Tamar in a coffee shop in Southern California, and uh, through a series of events, what, what we find out is that Tamar, he, he embraces Jesus, but the Jesus that he embraces is an option among many, uh, no different than from uh, uh, Muhammad, no different from the different religions out there. And so this Jesus has been stripped of exclusivity, and so he is not an exclusive Jesus. So what this looks like is for Tamar that Jesus is not the way and the truth and the life, but he is a way and a truth and a life. So he changes it from the, which is definite, to uh, the letter A. So he's just one of many ways, one of many truths, and one of many lives that are out there. And so he gets rid of the exclusiveness of Jesus, and then he also gets rid of uh, what we call, this is another term, 
uh, that the reader will be introduced to is, is this. It's binary oppositions. So Tamar doesn't like the idea of there being um, heaven and hell. So if I say heaven, uh, a person would say hell. If you say, um, you know, if you say good, bad. If you say up, then the opposite of that would be down. He doesn't like having uh, those categories where there's an either-or decision. Uh, but he rather wants to see that removed where everything's sloshed together. And then he coats this false Christ with uh, cultural tolerance and uh, religious pluralism. So uh, we have to be tolerant of everyone, and everyone's on the same path, all leading to the same uh, utopia, the same uh, outcome of some sort of heaven. So really this Jesus, this false Christ, I should say, is really... Um, watered down to the point where there's no exclusiveness, uh, his assertions um, are not true, and uh, he's all about tolerance, which is really the exact opposite of Christian love. Yeah, in fact, uh, the early Christians uh, likely would not have been martyred at the hands of the Romans if they had this kind of a Jesus, because... Uh, the, uh, the, the Roman uh, government was not insisting that the Christians abandon Jesus altogether. They just wanted uh, them to add Caesar to the, the mix. Am I right? Right, absolutely. This one, this one is very, very prevalent in our day and age, and, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, who, can, who can find a problem with the option among many? Uh, you, you really, when it comes down to it, uh, you know, again, people can look at Jesus and they can uh, you know, basically appreciate uh, you know, man, he, he taught a lot of new things, and the poor guy went to the cross, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, so the average person can, you know, deal with that. But as soon as you make exclusive claims, drawing a line in the sand, saying this is right and this is wrong, and as soon as you take the exclusive claims of Jesus, saying that he is the only way, uh, that he's the only way to the Father, well, then by implying that, you're saying that everyone else is wrong. And that, again, comes against... Uh, the uh, notion of wanting to have tolerance. And tolerance uh, is, is one of the big no-nos in our culture, that if you sin against tolerance, uh, there's definitely a uh, blowback, uh, definitely a retribution that you have to pay. So this false Christ is, is perfect for our, our culture that promotes tolerance and uh, um, this idea that we can all get along and that there's no such thing as exclusive uh, ways of salvation. And uh, we're going to be going to, uh, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry, I, I misread the clock there. We're not going to a break yet. Uh, I, I think I'm going to take a couple of the uh, listener questions before we go on to any other false Christs. Very bizarre way of phrasing things, <laughs> but that, that, uh, the only way I can communicate logically and understandably during a conversation like this. But uh, we have... Uh, Rose in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, who says, in your book on the real Jesus, are you coming at the topic by way of the many misconceptions people have of Jesus and how that forms their ideas of him or from the aspect of the Mormon Jesus, the Islamic Jesus, etc., or is it both? Well, uh, you've already in some way answered a part of that question, but I don't know if you're really getting down to any of the cultic uh, understandings, false understandings of Jesus that in some cases bear no resemblance to the biblical Jesus. 
Yeah, actually, uh, with that, I, I, I don't necessarily start from the perspective of different religions. You know, obviously, Islam talks about Jesus, but their view of Jesus is quite different than the view of Christianity, as, as well as uh, Mormonism. Um, their view of Jesus is drastically different than the Christian view of Jesus. And so we're really starting from the, um, again, the word presupposition, or, or we would say assumptions, um, the assumptions that are prevalent in our culture uh, that people have, and these assumptions that kind of function like glasses that we wear. And so if you have rose-colored glasses and you look through those, everything else is going to be rose-colored. And so we approach the Bible, we approach Jesus, and we see him through a tainted lens and usually that tainted lens is uh, derived from our own ambitions. And so it's not a coincidence that these false Christs are often created in, in the own image of the person uh, wanting to have that false Christ. And so we will construct Jesus to really look like ourselves. Uh, we don't want to have a Jesus that stands over top of us, interrogating us. We want a Jesus that works with us because we don't want to be in conflict. We want to be affirmed as human beings in everything that we do. But tragically... Uh, when we go that route, um, we, we are persist in our sins. We need a real Jesus who comes and can call out and point out our sin because then when our sin is pointed out, we can hear about the Christ who actually forgave us of that sin and rescued us for, for all of eternity. Yes, um, when you said that people don't want the Jesus that towers over us, I think that's why Christmas can be such a universally popular holiday, uh, even inside and outside of Christianity, because there we have the harmless, helpless baby in a manger. Everybody loves that cooing baby, that baby either in the manger or in the arms of Mary that can do no harm to us. Uh, that seems to be an extremely popular Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point. And, and even this, too, I've noticed over the years that when we get to Good Friday, um, some churches will, will have Good Friday services, and I've noticed a tendency among even us as Christians, we sometimes look at the Christ who's bleeding and dying on the cross, and we want to skirt over it. We're, we're so uncomfortable with the blood, and we're uncomfortable with the nail-scarred hands, and so we want to just kind of skirt over that real quickly, move on to the resurrection not that uh, the resurrection is bad. I mean, we want to embrace the resurrection. It's, a, it's wonderful. It's a part of our, our salvation. But we get uncomfortable with a Jesus who's too bloody, uh, a Christ that suffers too much. And so we want to jump over Good Friday and get to that Sunday uh, for the resurrection. And so it's all about, again, it's all about um, taming Jesus. Uh, so we want to take him and we want to make him tame. And uh, I'm often reminded of uh, C.S. Lewis's book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and there's a, just a, I just love the line, uh, I think it's, boy, I think it's Susan uh, that says in the line, um, it, a line in there. Is he safe? Asked, yeah, yeah, she asked Mr. Beaver, you know, uh, is, is he a good line? Is he safe? And uh, Mr. Beaver goes, well, he's not safe, but he's good. Uh, and what we want to do is we want to make him safe from the perspective that we want to be able to put Jesus in our back pocket. We want to put him on a leash so that we can drag him around uh, and do our biddings. Uh, but the Lion of Judah cannot be tamed. The Lion of Judah uh, stands over top of us, and uh, the Lion of Judah is the one who interrogates us. So uh, really it's all about us trying to tame Jesus uh, so that he might uh, suit our own fancy, but the real Jesus will not tolerate that. Uh, he stands above us. 
Amen. I love the line from a uh, Michael Card song. Michael Card's one of my favorite uh, Christian recording artists. And uh, he has a song called The Lamb is a Lion Roaring with Rage. And uh, giving that contrast between the uh, the lamb that was sacrificed to the, the lion that is returning uh, with judgment. And uh, quite, quite a contrast. And people uh, like to think of the, the lamb, but they uh, don't want to necessarily think at all, or they, in, in fact, dismiss the lion. <clears throat> and that when you mentioned Good Friday, I think that another way that, um, that uh, people, even well-meaning people, perhaps even well-meaning Christians, uh, diminish Jesus's power uh, diminish Jesus's voluntary sacrifice on Calvary, the fact that he laid down his own life. They diminish that, and, and they pity Jesus on Good Friday. They view him as an object of pity, and they feel sorry for Jesus. But that is not the reaction that uh, a Christian should have over this, is it? No, absolutely not. I mean, this, this is the reality, is Jesus says that he goes to the cross on his own accord, uh, he does this on his own will to redeem us. And so uh, the cross is the display of Christ's power, of him bleeding and dying, the forgiveness of all of our sins. And so, I mean, the reality is, is when it comes down to it, uh, he chose to go to the cross, and he chose to go there for you and for me and for all the listeners, uh, that it was an act of love, an act of him going to suffer the sins of the world upon himself to be judged by God's wrath for the sin of the world, and then to say, it is finished. And so, indeed, he's not some helpless victim uh, being dragged to the cross, but he went there on his own accord. Well, uh, we're going to go to a break right now, and what I'm going to do, uh, uh, Dr. Richard, is I am going to uh, forward you uh, a question from our listener, Daniel, in San Jose, California, because it's a rather lengthy question, and I figured that during the station break you might have opportunity to mull over his, his lengthy question and uh, give it more thought uh, when you answer it because of its length. And um, if anybody else would like to join us on the air with a question for Dr. Matt Richard, our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com. chrisarnzen at gmail.com. Uh, please uh, give us your first name, your city and state, your country of residence if you live outside of the USA and please only remain anonymous if it makes you feel more comfortable that's chrisarnzen at gmail.com don't go away we'll be right back with Dr. Matt Richard after these messages from our sponsors Hi I'm Chris Arnzen host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio here to tell you about an exciting offer from World Magazine my trusted source for news from a Christian perspective Try World at no charge for 90 days and get a free copy of R.C. Sproul's book, Relationship Between Church and State. I rely on World because I trust the reporting. I gain insight from the analysis. And World provides clarity to the news stories that really matter. I believe you'll also find World to be an invaluable resource to better understand critical topics with a depth that's simply not found in other media outlets. Armed with this coverage, World can help you to be a voice of wisdom in your family and your community. This trial includes bi-weekly issues of World Magazine, on-scene reporting from World Radio, 
and the fully shareable content of World Digital, simply visit wmg.org forward slash iron sharpens to get your world trial and Dr. Sproul's book all free. No obligation with no credit card required. Visit World News Group at wmg.org forward slash iron sharpens today. Thriving Financial is not your typical financial services provider. As a membership organization, we help Christians be wise with money and live generously every day. And for the fourth year in a row, we were named one of the world's most ethical companies by the Ethisphere Institute, a leading international think tank dedicated to the creation, advancement, and sharing of best practices in business ethics. Contact me, Mike Gallagher, financial consultant, at 717-254-6433. Again, 717-254-6433 to learn more about the thriving difference. We know we were made for so much more than ordinary life. Lending faith, finances, and generosity. That's the thriving story. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hi, I'm Mark Lukens, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. We are a Reformed Baptist church, and we hold to the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. We are in Norfolk, Massachusetts. We strive to reflect Paul's mindset to be much more concerned with how God views what we say and what we do than how men view these things. That's not the best recipe for popularity, but since that wasn't the Apostles' priority, it must not be ours either. We believe, by God's grace, that we are called to demonstrate love and compassion to our fellow man, and to be vessels of Christ's mercy to a lost and hurting community around us, and to build up the body of Christ in truth and love. If you live near Norfolk, Massachusetts, or plan to visit our area, please come and join us for worship and fellowship. You can call us at 508-528-5750, that's 508-528-5750, or go to our website to email us, listen to past sermons, worship songs, or watch our TV program entitled Resting in Grace. You can find us at ProvidenceBaptistChurchMA.org, that's ProvidenceBaptistChurchMA.org, or even on SermonAudio.com. Providence Baptist Church is delighted to sponsor Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko, inviting you to tune in to A Visit to the Pastor's Study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WLIE Radio, www.wlie540am.com. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the Pastor's Study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, and I assure you, never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time for a visit to the Pastor's Study because everyone needs a pastor. 
Tired of box store Christianity? Of doing church in a warehouse with all the trappings of a rock concert? Do you long for a more traditional and reverent style of worship? And how about the preaching? Perhaps you've begun to think that in-depth biblical exposition has vanished from Long Island. Well, there's good news. Wedding River Baptist Church exists to provide believers with a meaningful and reverent worship experience, featuring the systematic exposition of God's Word. And this loving congregation looks forward to meeting you. Call them at 631-929-3512 for service times. 631-929-3512 or check out their website at wrbc.us that's wrbc.us I'm James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. The New American Standard Bible is perfect for daily reading or in-depth study. Used by pastors, scholars, and everyday readers, the NASB is widely embraced and trusted as a literal and readable Bible translation. The NASB offers clarity and readability while maintaining high accuracy to the original languages which the NASB is known for. The NASB is available in many editions like a topical reference Bible. Researched and prepared by biblical scholars devoted to accuracy, the new topical reference Bible includes contemporary topics relevant to today's issues. From compact to giant print Bibles, find an NASB that fits your needs very affordably at nasbible.com. Whichever edition you choose, trust, discover, and enjoy the NASB for yourself today. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Every day at thousands of community centers, high schools, middle schools, juvenile institutions, coffee shops, and local hangouts, Long Island Youth for Christ, staff and volunteers meet with young people who need Jesus. We are rural and urban, and we are always about the message of Jesus. Our mission is to have a noticeable spiritual impact on Long Island, New York, by engaging young people in the lifelong journey of following Christ. Long Island Youth for Christ has been a stalwart bedrock ministry since 1959. We have a world-class staff and a proven track record of bringing consistent love and encouragement to youths in need all over the country and around the world. Help honor our history by becoming a part of our future. Volunteer, donate, pray, or all of the above. For details, call Long Island Youth for Christ at 631-385-8333. That's 631-385-8333. Or visit liyfc.org. That's liyfc.org. 
Lindbrook Baptist Church on 225 Earl Avenue in Lindbrook, Long Island is teaching God's timeless truths in the 21st century. Our church is far more than a Sunday worship service. It's a place of learning where the scriptures are studied and the preaching of the gospel is clear and relevant. It's like a gym where one can exercise their faith through community involvement. It's like a hospital for wounded souls where one can find compassionate people in healing. We're a diverse family of all ages. Enthusiastically serving our Lord Jesus Christ. In fellowship, play, and together. Hi, I'm Pastor Bob Walderman, and I invite you to come and join us here at Lindbrook Baptist Church and see all that a church can be. Call Lindbrook Baptist at 516-599-9402. That's 516-599-9402. Or visit lindbrookbaptist.org. That's lindbrookbaptist.org. Welcome back. This is Chris Zarns, and if you just tuned us in, our guest today for the full two hours with about an hour to go is Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard, pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinner, North Dakota. We are addressing his book, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? Twelve False Christs. If you'd like to join us on the air with a question for Dr. Richard, our email address is chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Please give us your first name, your city and state, and your country of residence if you live outside the USA. And also, please only remain anonymous if it's about a personal and private matter. Before we return to our interview, I've got some important announcements to make uh, in regard to events that some of our sponsors are conducting in the near future. Uh, First of all, we have the Word of Truth Church in Farmingville, Long Island, New York, in cooperation with the Long Island Spurgeon Fellowship, are having their 500th anniversary celebration of the Gospel of the Reformation. Featuring keynote speaker, Dr. Tony Costa, a dear friend of mine who is on the faculty at Toronto Baptist Seminary. He is a professor of apologetics and Islam at Toronto Baptist Seminary. And the dates for this event are Friday, September 29th and Saturday, September 30th at the Word of Truth Church in Farmingville, Long Island, New York. For more details, go to wotchurch.com. That's W-O-T, which stands for Word of Truth, church.com, W-O-T, church.com, or you can call 631-806-0614, 631-806-0614. The very next day, Sunday, October 1st, the aforementioned Dr. Tony Costa of Toronto Baptist Seminary will be preaching at the Sunday morning service at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Medford, Long Island, New York. And if you would like to attend that 11 a.m. worship service, go to hopereformedli.net for more details. That's hopereformedli, standing for Long Island, .net. Hopereformedli.net or call 631-696-5711. 631-696-5711. And then in November from the 17th through the 18th, the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals is having their annual Quakertown Conference on Reformed Theology at the Grace Bible Fellowship Church in Quakertown, Pennsylvania. The theme is For Still Our Ancient Foe. I'm sure that rings a bell with our guest, Dr. Matt Richard. That is a line from the classic hymn, A Mighty Fortress by Martin Luther, referring to Satan, of course. For Still Our Ancient Foe. And the guest speakers include Kent Hughes, Peter Jones, Tom Nettles, Dennis Cahill, and Scott Oliphant. If you would like to register for this conference, and I intend to be there, by the way, uh, with an Iron Sharpens Iron Radio exhibitors booth, 
you can register at AllianceNet.org, AllianceNet.org, click on events, and then click on Quakertown Conference on Reformed Theology. Then coming up in January from the 17th through the 18th, the G3 Conference returns to Atlanta, Georgia, the three G's standing for Grace, Gospel, and Glory. Uh, the 17th of January is exclusively a Spanish-speaking edition of the conference, and from the 18th through the 20th is an English-speaking edition of the conference. The theme will be Knowing God, a Biblical Understanding of Discipleship, and speakers include Stephen Lawson, Vody Balcom, Phil Johnson, Keith Getty, H.B. Charles Jr., Tim Challies, Josh Bice, James White, Tom Askell, Anthony Mathenia, Michael Kruger, David Miller, Paul Tripp, Todd Friel, Derek Thomas, and Martha Peace. If you would like to register for the G3 conference, Go to g3conference.com, g3conference.com, and please, if you register for any of these events, let the organizers know that you heard about the events on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And now it's my uh, uncomfortable time of the program to ask you for money. Uh, My advertisers, uh, who spend their hard-earned money, or at least a portion of it, to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air, have urged me to make these public appeals, no matter how uncomfortable I am doing it. They want Iron Sharpens Iron Radio to remain on the air for many years to come and have urged me to go to you to inform you of the very urgent need we have for additional financing in order to remain on the air. If you would care to donate to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, just go to ironsharpensironradio.com, click on support, and you will be given an address where you can mail a check for any amount made payable to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Please never, ever take money out of your church's collection plate by siphoning money that you would be ordinarily giving to your local church and giving it to us. We never want you to do that. We never want you to take food off of your family's dinner table if you're struggling to make ends meet. But if you have been blessed above above and beyond your ability to provide for your church and your home, which are two commands of God, supporting Iron Sharp and Zion Radio is not a command of God. But if you are able to support us, because you are blessed above and beyond your ability to obey God in those two areas of providing for church and home, then please consider sponsoring Iron Sharpens Iron Radio or donating to us. If we are a part of your regular habit of life, if you love this program, if it edifies you, if you love the guests that we have on, the topics we discuss, well, please uh, go to ironsharpensironradio.com and click on support and send us a check of any amount that you can afford. And if you'd like to advertise with us, as long as whatever it is you do is compatible with the theology expressed on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, it doesn't have to be identical, uh, just has to be compatible, uh, send me an email to, iron, uh, to chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com, and put advertising on the subject line, whether it's your church, parachurch ministry, your business, your professional practice, like a law firm, medical practice, uh, a chiropractor, dentist, physician, uh, whether it is a special event you're having, uh, we would love to speak with you as soon as possible uh, about advertising. Well, we are now back uh, to our discussion on Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? 12 False Christs, which is the title of Reverend Dr. Matthew Richards' new book uh, published by Concordia Publishing House. And uh, we, uh, before the break, I told you, uh, Dr. Richard, that we uh, had an email that I forwarded to you so you could read it over from Daniel in San Jose, California. He says, hello, brother. Would you please ask your guest to address the leading 
or most detrimental false view about Jesus today? Well, he has a few questions here, so I'll start with that one. Yeah, you know, very good question that Daniel has. Um, now, here's, here's the thing, is each of these false Christs, uh, through the book, the 12 false Christs, they are uh, presented within particular contexts with particular individuals. Some of the individuals that you'll meet in the book um, who subscribe to a false Christ are um, active church growers, um, other church goers, excuse me. Um, other ones are uh, individuals you'll find in an academic setting, such as college. Um, other individuals are people that you will find in the coffee shop. And so really depending upon the context um, and their circumstances, where they're at is going to show which Christ has come forth. And so, for instance, within the Christian church as a whole, um, you have a, a certain amount of false Christ. And then the other false Christ, uh, some of these other ones, you're not going to see within the walls of the church. Um, you're going to see them more in the popular context of the coffee shops and the, the dialogue of the, the uh, day of, of the average person, the uh, non-church-going person. So within the church, I think, though, we can narrow it down, uh, maybe handle it twofold. Within the church, I think some of the top ones we're going to see is going to be uh, the giver of bling, which is a prosperity theology false Christ. Uh, that one's going to be very, very popular. And then as you work down uh, some of the other chapters here, we talk about uh, the moral example. And so this false Christ uh, is, is a moral example. And so uh, this one really isolates um, sin as only bad events and, and uh, um, the, the law of God is an achievable thing. So this, this false Christ is, is all about uh, coaching you on uh, in the moral example of following him. Now, we want to affirm that uh, definitely Christ is an example we can look to. We see him and we see righteousness. But if that's all that the Christ is, is just a moral example, then we're left in our sins because we obviously cannot be Jesus. We cannot uh, fulfill and be perfect as Jesus is, and we fall short in our sins. So we need a Savior who is going to bleed and die for us for the forgiveness of sins. And so those are ones that are very popular within the church. But as you get in culture, I would say that the false Christ that in culture is probably most prevalent right now is the uh, social justice warrior uh, Jesus, the social justice warrior false Christ. And this false Christ is really derived from what we would say is Marxist ideology. And I go in the book and I explain uh, how that comes about, uh, the Marxist ideology, how that ideology shapes and forms this false Christ called the social justice warrior. And again, this Christ is not about bleeding and dying on the cross. Uh, this Christ is all about helping uh, free those who are oppressed and then standing against uh, those who oppress, those who uh, hold them down. Uh, so that one's very popular. And then also the other one that's very popular in our culture right now is the feminized Christ. Uh, the feminized false Christ. This is a Christ that has been uh, stripped of masculinity and so you have a very much a very feminized false Christ um, at work as well. So again, to that question, it really depends. Are you talking inside the church? Or are you talking outside the church? And then maybe a little bit more specifically, um, what uh, kind of church are you talking about? Uh, you know, what, what uh, denominational or, or heritage does that church have? And you're going to see different false Christs that are probably more prevalent in some churches than other, and as well as culture itself, depending on uh, which uh, part of culture you're actually speaking to. Well, thank you so much, Daniel. And uh, this goes for Rose, too. I can't remember. Uh, I am getting a premature loss of memory at <laughs> 55 years of age. But I can't remember if I told Rose this as well, but both Rose and Daniel, 
You have won a free copy of Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up, compliments of our friends at Concordia Publishing House, and also compliments of our friends at Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service who will be shipping those books out to you free of charge uh, without uh, charging either Iron Sharpens Iron Radio or you. Uh, you'll be getting those books, God willing, within the next week or two. So please give us your full mailing addresses so we can have Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service ship them out. That's cvbbs.com. CV for Cumberland Valley, BBS for BibleBookService.com. Look for that on the return address on the shipping label in a package in the mail. It should be arriving shortly. And we thank Todd and Patty Jennings at cvbbs.com for their faithful support of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And we also thank our friends at Concordia Publishing House for providing these books for us today. Um, There is a, a false Christ that I think here in the United States, those who are among uh, Christian circles that would most resemble, I think, the ones that you and I and the Reverend Buzz Taylor are a part of, the conservative Christians, the uh, Christians who may be uh, very strongly and adamantly pro-life, as I believe all Christians should be, I don't even know how any truly regenerate person could be in favor of the murder of unborn children, but uh, and also uh, those Christians that are outspoken against same-sex marriage and so on, which all Christians, again, should be. But sometimes these matters eclipse the gospel, and we have adopted this national patriot Jesus that you mentioned, uh, the the national patriot Jesus that seems to be more about protecting what has been identified repeatedly in the media, especially the conservative media, as protecting our Western values. I'm not even sure what that means in the 21st century when I hear our president and when I hear uh, conservative pundits on television talk about we need to protect our Western values when we are living in a country that is murdering uh, unborn children and where uh, you could lose your job very easily by questioning whether or not same-sex marriage is legitimate. (laughs) I mean, this is really a a strange thing to be uh, bolstering as a primary thing to be protective of uh, Western values. If If you could comment, do you follow the thread where I'm going here? Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in this chapter, we meet the National Patriot. And, and again, this one is going to hit a little bit closer home to the listeners and ourselves. And, and in this opening chapter, we meet, um, and we actually hear a story about uh, me going to the church and coming in the sanctuary. And there's a, a couple of ladies up at the front by the altar. Um, you know, Lutheran churches typically have an altar up front of the church, and uh, they're kneeling down by the altar, and it, I'm really puzzled by what's going on, and I went up front, and they were caught off guard, and they were startled, and uh, through a series of events of conversation, come to find out that they are moving, uh, there's a, a, a Christian flag and an American flag, I, I think many churches will have that in the United States, be familiar with that, uh, but the senior pastor of the church um, was a little uncomfortable with the American flag being so close to the altar. In fact, it was kind of blocking the view of some of the people on the side of the uh, church. So he was hoping to kind of distinguish between the difference between the altar representing the church 
and the American flag, which represents the state. And so he ended up moving the flag, but he uh, made a person in the church named Jack uh, very, very angry. Um, for Jack, removing the American flag was uh, uh, very, very appalling to him. And uh, what was happening is he had actually um, amalgamated, he had actually combined uh, the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus of the church, with a, an Americanized Jesus. And so the Jesus that he was really subscribing to wasn't necessarily fully about uh, forgiveness, life, and salvation, but this uh, false Christ that he had held to was more about life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, the American dream. And so back to the story here, the ladies in the church, they moved the flag back in order to uh, <laughs> appease Jack, but then the pastor told them to move the flag two inches every week subtly so Jack wouldn't know. <laughs> and so, uh, again, it's kind of a humorous story, but the point, <laughs> the, the point, the point being is, is uh, any time we take these two kingdoms, we would say the kingdom of the left and the kingdom of the right, uh, these are terminologies that uh, are used uh, in theology. The kingdom of the left, which would be the state, the government, uh, which is really when we think back to it as Romans chapter 13, um, all government is established by God for the sake of keeping order in society, and that uh, is, is, is a kingdom that God has established. And then the right-hand kingdom being the church. So when you have the church and the state, when you move them too closely together, typically what has happened, historically speaking, is that the state will end up gobbling up the church. In other words, the church then has to be subjugated to the state. And so when we combine these two closely, uh, we, we, we fail to distinguish Jesus Christ um, and his mission of forgiveness, life, and salvation. And actually that is lost, and then we create a false Christ called the National Patriot, who is a Jesus who is not wrapped with blood and tears, but who is wrapped with an American flag who is all about life uh, and the pursuit of happiness, uh, the American dream. Now, when I say that, immediately we, we kind of can react, our patriotism can react to that, and we can find ourselves getting defensive. But here, here's the whole point of this chapter. Um, Jack was, was a, a very patriotic uh, person, part of the church, and there's nothing wrong with being patriotic, patriotic for one's country. The problem was that he melded these two kingdoms, the state and the church, he put them together rather than distinguishing them separately from each other. And so the, the point of that is that we want to distinguish both kingdoms, both the state and the church, from each other. That way the state can rule through the sword and good governance, and the church can rule through the proclamation of the gospel uh, to keep those separate and distinguished so that we don't confuse the identity of Christ. Amen. Yes, and um, I, I can remember right after 9-11, uh, uh, one of the most horrific uh, dates in American history, uh, where more Americans uh, died from an attack from a foreign enemy than any other time in history. Uh, you had this idea amongst a lot of Christians and Americans in general that uh, that that God could possibly not have had anything remotely involved with that in his providence this was only uh, in the hands of the evil one it was only 
in the hands of those maniacs and satanic individuals that perpetrated the event. But there is this idea that, that God is always on America's side. God could not possibly ever be opposed to America, no matter how many babies we murder or how many uh, open doors to licentious activity we, we provide for all kinds of perversion uh, and celebrate it. Uh, not only tolerate it, but actually celebrate it. Uh, we act as if God could never be opposed to us uh, when, in fact, we have... Uh, Israel and the Old Covenant going through really horrific trials that, was, that were brought upon, upon God's people by the hands of God himself that he orchestrated using the enemies of Israel. And I'm not saying that we are uh, to be uh, compared to Israel, uh, America, but if God were to uh, orchestrate those chastisements against a nation that truly was his uniquely chosen nation. Why on earth should we expect anything different in the 21st century uh, here in the United States? Yeah, you know, w when it comes to that, I mean, think of that example. Um, you know, establishing the two kingdoms, we would say the kingdom of the left and the right, uh, the kingdom of the state and the church. Uh, we as citizens, uh, we as citizens are a part of the left-hand kingdom, the state. Uh, we, we, we pay our taxes. We we vote. Uh, we're citizens of the United States, um, and but we're also citizens on the other side, citizens of the kingdom of God, uh, that we belong to Jesus, we belong to the church. So we're churchmen and churchwomen, parishioners, um, you know, ba uh, baptized uh, Christians into Jesus' name on, on that side. And so when, when, when calamity happens and struggles happen culturally, one of the things that can happen is we can you know, say, well, that's the state over there. I have nothing to do with that. And so I'm part of the church over here. Well, the problem is, is that's, you know, casting off aside our, our, our left-hand kingdom. That is being uh, that we have a dual citizenship, that we are part of the uh, state as citizens. So when bad things happen or there are problems in politics, uh, when there are national disasters, we as Christians, we can repent. We can say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because we are part of that society in the left-hand kingdom. And at the same time, we can also repent as Christians in the church when we find there being struggles in the church as well. And so, in, a, in essence, we wear two hats. We have the hat of a citizen and a hat of a parishioner, being members of God's kingdom uh, by his grace and mercy, and being members of the state uh, through our citizenship. And so... I often tell people that we don't need uh, Christian doctors, we don't need Christian uh, lawyers, we don't need Christian politicians, but rather we need politicians who are Christians, doctors who are Christians, and lawyers that are Christians. And I think that's a little bit of a, a different nuance which captures these two kingdoms, uh, being faithful in both avenues and both ve venues, if you will, uh, serving as a faithful citizen, advocating for life, advocating for uh, a fair society, advocating for just laws and just judges and so forth, and at the same time um, coming like beggars before the Lord's table to hear his precious gospel uh, and to be forgiven of our sins and to walk as uh, Christians in that right-hand kingdom and, again, the left-hand kingdom at the same time. Yeah, I don't know if it disturbs you as much as it disturbs me, but it is very popular amongst conservative Christians 
Uh, and uh, I think that in some ways, I don't want to go overboard here, but I think that in some ways a liberal Christian is an oxymoron. Um, but uh, uh, there, what disturbs me about my own people is when you see this, um, this parading of the, the uniqueness and wonder and glory and beauty of America uh, which is declared by professedly Christian clerics on the news and on television and on radio and so on and on the internet without any call upon our nation to repent. Uh, it's amazing that uh, even as I was mentioning about 9-11, how many people uh, in, the, in the ministry who when they were given a voice in the media to say something in response as to what happened, you hardly ever heard those words, America must repent. That doesn't mean, of course, that the, the Islamic terrorists were right in their activity. They will go to hell for that. But at the same time, it, it, when we just constantly have the drumbeat of God bless America, uh, and as my friend uh, Dr. James R. White has said many times, that we should be singing God bless America with repentance. Uh, there seem, that seems to be absent from the patriotic Christian in many senses, especially those that you see and hear in the media. Well, you know, you're, you're right on repentance. Uh, you know, Martin Luther said in the uh, famous 95 theses that were uh, nailed to the door of the Wartburg Castle, uh, you, know, you know, 500 years ago, coming up this October, um, he, he said that the whole life of a Christian is one of repentance. And so we as Christians really... Um, you know, being citizens, again, of, that, of the Church, our life is one of repentance um, of our own sin. And it's, it's so much easier, though, uh, to point out the uh, log in our neighbor's eye, you know. <laughs> and a, a, a parishioner once said, you know, Pastor, I want to take the log out of my neighbor's eye and beat him over the head with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but, you know, the life of the Christian is one of repentance where we're confessing our sin, and, and we can carry that over um, into the left-hand kingdom when we, when we operate in the left-hand kingdom, uh, with a spirit of repentance um, with our fellow citizens. And so that, that indeed, uh, when, we, when we cross over into the, the uh, arena of politics and the state, we indeed advocate for life, like you mentioned, the life of the unborn. And we do that with the spirit of repentance, even though maybe a Christian hasn't had an abortion or supported, but we, as fellow citizens, we mourn uh, the, 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 the atrocity and the uh, destruction of human life. And so we, we come into that left-hand kingdom, the state, uh, with repentance and tears, and we plead and we work hard and we're faithful with the laws that we have, and we try to uh, enact um, the uh, system of justice and politics to make a change for that. Um, but we do that, uh, in the, indeed, in the spirit of repentance um, and tears and with hope of fighting for life. And so, again, that's, that's where we distinguish the two kingdoms. And, and we oftentimes serve in that left-hand kingdom, the state, driving um, our identity and our hope and our assurance from that right-hand kingdom. So through the church being citizens of God's kingdom, we then enter into that left-hand kingdom and we act as faithful Christians um, by the laws and trying to enact change uh, with repentance and fear of God and love for our neighbor in that left-hand kingdom. We're going to our final break right now. If you'd like to join us on the air, now is the time to do it at chrisarnson at gmail.com. 
C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. I would send in the email as soon as possible before we run out of time. And we will get to those who are waiting to have their questions asked and answered uh, as soon as possible. ChrisArnson at gmail.com. ChrisArnson at gmail.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Dr. Matthew Richard right after these messages. Chef Exclusive Catering is in South Central Pennsylvania. Chef Exclusive's goal is to provide a dining experience that is sure to please any palate. Chef Damian White of Chef Exclusive is a graduate of the renowned Johnson & Wales University with a degree in culinary arts and applied science. Chef Exclusive Catering's event center is newly designed with elegance and style and is available for small office gatherings, bridal showers, engagement parties, and rehearsal dinners. Critics and guests alike acknowledge Chef Exclusive's commitment to exceeding even the highest expectations. I know of their quality firsthand since Chef Exclusive catered my most recent Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Pastors Luncheon. For details, call 717-388-3000. That's 717-388-3000. Or visit ChefExclusive.com. That's ChefExclusive.com. Paul wrote to the church at Galatia, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Hi, I'm Mark Lukens, pastor of Providence Baptist Church. We are a Reformed Baptist church, and we hold to the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689. We are in Norfolk, Massachusetts. We strive to reflect Paul's mindset to be much more concerned with how God views what we say and what we do than how men view these things. That's not the best recipe for popularity, but since that wasn't the Apostles' priority, it must not be ours either. We believe, by God's grace, that we are called to demonstrate love and compassion to our fellow man, and to be vessels of Christ's mercy to a lost and hurting community around us, and to build up the body of Christ in truth and love. If you live near Norfolk, Massachusetts, or plan to visit our area, please come and join us for worship and fellowship. You can call us at 508-528-5750, that's 508-528-5750, or go to our website to email us, listen to past sermons, worship songs, or watch our TV program entitled Resting in Grace. You can find us at ProvidenceBaptistChurchMA.org, that's ProvidenceBaptistChurchMA.org, or even on SermonAudio.com. Providence Baptist Church is delighted to sponsor Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Have you been blessed by Iron Sharpens Iron Radio? We remain on the air because of our faithful sponsors and because of listeners like you. There are four ways you can help. First, do you know potential sponsors who may wish to advertise their goods or services on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio? Second, whenever possible, purchase the products or use the services that our sponsors advertise. And then let them know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Thirdly, you can also donate to Iron Sharpens Iron Radio by going to our website at ironsharpensironradio.com and click support at the top of the page. But most importantly, keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in your prayers. We hope that Iron Sharpens Iron Radio blesses you for many years to come. Are you a Christian looking to align your faith and finances? Then you'll want to check out Thriving Financial. We're not your typical financial services provider. We're a not-for-profit Fortune 500 organization that helps our nearly 2.4 million members be wise with money. 
We provide guidance that reflects your values so you can protect what matters most. We help members live generously and strengthen the communities where they live, work, and worship. Learn more about The Thriving Story by contacting me, Mike Gallagher, financial consultant, at 717-254-6433. Again, 717-254-6433. finances, and generosity. That's the Thrivent story. One sure way all Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners can help keep my show on the air is to support my advertisers. I know you all use batteries every day, so I'm urging you all from now on to exclusively use BatteryDepot.com for all your battery needs. At BatteryDepot.com, they're changing the status quo. They're flipping the script. They're sticking it to the man. In other words, they'd like to change the battery industry for good by providing an extensive inventory of top-of-the-line batteries that are uniformly new, dependable, and affordable. Ordering from BatteryDepot.com ensures you'll always get fresh out-of-the-box batteries you can count on to work properly at competitive prices. Whether you need batteries for cordless phones, cell phones, radios, PCs, laptops, tablets, baby monitors, hearing aids, smoke detectors, credit card readers, digital cameras, electronic cigarettes, GPS's, MP3 players, watches, or nearly anything else you own that needs batteries. Go to BatteryDepot.com. Next day shipping available. All products protected by 30-day guarantees and six-month warranties. Call 866-403-3768. That's 866-403-3768. Or go to BatteryDepot.com. That's BatteryDepot.com. Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko, inviting you to tune in to A Visit to the Pastor's Study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. Eastern Time on WLIE Radio, www.wlie540am.com. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the Pastor's Study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, and I assure you, never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon Eastern Time for a visit to the Pastor's Study because everyone needs a pastor. Iron Sharpens Iron Radio is sponsored by Harvey Cedars a year-round Bible conference and retreat center nestled on the Jersey Shore. Harvey Cedars offers a wide range of accommodations to suit groups up to 400. For generations, Christians have enjoyed gathering and growing at Harvey Cedars. Each year, thousands of high school and college students come and learn more about God's Word. An additional 9,000 come annually to Harvey Cedars as families, couples, singles, men, women, pastors, seniors, and missionaries. 90 miles from New York City, 70 miles from Philly, and 95 miles from Wilmington, and easily accessible, scores of notable Christian groups frequently plan conferences at Harvey Cedars, like the Navigators, 
InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, Campus Crusade, and the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Find Harvey Cedars on Facebook or at hcbible.org, hcbible.org. Call 609-494-5689, 609-494-5689. Harvey Cedars, where Christ finds people and changes lives. Welcome back. This is Chris Arnzen. If you've just tuned us in for the last 90 minutes and the next uh, half hour to come, our guest has been and will continue to be Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard, pastor of Zion Lutheran Church in Gwinter, North Dakota. We have been discussing and will continue to discuss, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? 12 False Christs, a new book by our guest, Dr. Matthew Richard. If you'd like to join us, now is the time to send in your email before we run out of time. ChrisArnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. By the way, I just want to announce for those of our Lutheran listeners who may want to especially hear these guests coming up in the very near future, Chris Rosebro of Pirate Christian Radio is returning uh, to the program on August 31st. Uh, that is a Thursday. He is going to be uh, discussing uh, the theme of the topic, uh, the theme of the program, I should say, is Lutheranism 101. This is basically going to be a program uh, to help explain uh, Lutheranism because of the fact that a lot of people outside of Lutheranism are very confused about it. Uh, I, I'm not making any effort to convert my fellow Calvinists to Lutheranism. <laughs> I'm a very thoroughgoing five-point Calvinist, but I think that it might be helpful to understand our brethren in Christ uh, more deeply uh, so we can have even richer fellowship with one another and uh, we can even have vigorous uh, and enthusiastic debate with one another while remaining friends and brethren. But it uh, should be uh, an interesting time. And then Chris Rosebro is actually returning on September 20th and September 27th uh, to do part one and two of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, we will be going into detail about why that is such an important date with Chris Rosebro on those two dates uh, a week apart from each other, September 20th and September 27th. And then, as I mentioned before, uh, uh, Brian Wolfmuller, uh, another Lutheran uh, author, is going to be our guest on October 4th to discuss his book, which actually I think had a lot to do with uh, what we uh, just were discussing moments ago, the, uh, the national uh, patriot Jesus uh, being one of the false Christs that our guest today was uh, discussing or uh, describing. But Brian Wolfmuller is going to be talking about his book, Has American Christianity Failed? So that's going to be on October 4th. You might want to tune into that. And uh, we have a, a listener in our audience who has a question for you, Dr. Richard. Uh, his name is Gordy, and he is from Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, and he asks, is something along the lines of a second reformation what is needed to stem the flow of seemingly endless false Christs, both within and without the church? Wow, very good question. Um, second reformation. Well, you know, really when we think of the First Reformation, it was a return to the Word of God. Uh, Luther and the Lutherans of the 1500s were very, very focused on uh, not necessarily 
starting and rebelling a new church, uh, rebelling and making a new church. So Luther had not set out to uh, carve out uh, his own section of uh, Christianity for himself. Uh, he was uh, solely focused on uh, fixing the abuses and the uh, struggles in the uh, church at that time, bringing them back to the sole authority of uh, Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone, and the word alone. And so I, I, I would say that the church is always needing um, a reformation, um, you know, always needing to be returned back to the word of God. And boy, right now in our time and age, uh, you know, maybe Pastor Wolfmiller can, can hit this a little bit more, but well, I, I sure look out, and I and I just see no shortage of uh, craziness uh, regarding the false Christ and false theology, and really it stems back to, um, you know, not being captivated to the Word of God. And so, uh, in that sense, yes, I, I would say we do need a reformation, uh, being reformed and being pulled back to the Scriptures as the uh, the sole source and norm for our, our our faith and our ethics and who we are and our identity. But any time that we place ourselves over top of the, the Word of God or dismiss it or, or neglect it, uh, we end up uh, just going down all these rabbit trails. I mean, I'm thinking of the old hymn that we're, we're prone to wander and we're prone to leave the God that we love. And we see that uh, throughout history. We see that throughout even the uh, Old Testament with Israel, always uh, chasing after uh, that which is glittery and bright, always chasing after uh, the pagan gods, always chasing after... Uh, something else that is more attractive, uh, rather than uh, being brought back in repentance uh, to the Word, to the source of, of, of our Christian faith, which is the Bible. So do we need a second Reformation? Um, we're always needing a Reformation. Uh, you know, would I say we don't need it? Absolutely, we do need it right now. But, but once that happens, though, if we were to have a profound Reformation, uh, then again, it's just we're prone to wander, we're prone to leave the God that we love. So it's always being brought back to the source of the scriptures, always being captivated by the Word of God, uh, rather than trying to be independent and trying to be autonomous beings, doing it all on our own strength. Amen. Well, thank you, Gordy. And by the way, Gordy, I know that you live very close to Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. Uh, Concordia Publishing House uh, just shipped out those free books to us today. So uh, the uh, Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service here in Carlisle on North Hanover Street, just about 10 minutes away from Mechanicsburg, where you live. They should have those books uh, by next week, so be patient. If you go over there too soon, it may not be waiting there for you. Just wanted to let you know. But thank you for the excellent question. Keep listening and keep spreading the word about Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in Mechanicsburg and beyond. One, one of the false Christs uh, may, uh, when I mention the, the title that you've given to him, may startle people because they may get the wrong idea but you've titled one of the false Christs the good teacher <laughs> isn't that a proper title for the true Christ <laughs> well yeah I mean we definitely Jesus is referred to as a rabbi um, and, and he is referred to as a good teacher um, but this this false Christ and when we look at this chapter it's chapter 3 we meet um, a professor named Mr. Darby and uh, he is the uh, possible atheist and so uh, you meet him uh, through my experience in college, and again, these are fictitious people based upon real-life events. And Mr. Darby, um, he, he diminishes the divine nature of Jesus. So anything referring to, uh, in the Bible, referring to the miracles of Jesus uh, are, are strained out. So Jesus walking on water, 
well, he wasn't walking on water. Might, might have been a sandbar, you know, underneath the water. Or Jesus uh, multiplying the bread and the fish. Well, the people probably were inspired by his love, so he really didn't multiply it. This is, this is the way of Mr. Darby. So anything of a supernatural understanding, his, his view of, 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 of Jesus is that he can't be more than just a good teacher. That's all that he is. So he excludes and he strains out the divine nature, the divine aspects, the divine miracles of Jesus. And in so doing that, uh, all we're left with is just a moral teacher, a, a person who has some good parables, uh, really no different uh, than, you know, uh, uh, Muhammad Gandhi or any different than any of the spiritual gurus of the day. And so, again, yeah, he strains out the divine nature. And, and the reason why he does this is that he puts his own intellect over top of the scriptures. He puts his own secular reasoning over top of the scriptures, and he um, judges on the basis of his uh, knowledge and his understanding uh, that these things would not be possible. So, again, it can't happen. Anything of the divine uh, flavor could not happen for Mr. Darby. Does Mr. Darby have a, a friend named Mr. Schofield? I was just curious. <laughs> um, well, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. You know, I, I, think, I think the thing is, you know, readers, when they get to this chapter, they'll find a couple phrases, like Mr. Darby, he, he says that he doesn't read the Bible literally. And, uh, and with a lot of these things, these people that you'll, you'll meet in this book, um, it's, it's kind of fun to share that I, I uh, went online to social media with a lot of these people, and you know, I wasn't necessarily too much of a troll, but I did poke at individuals and try to have them kind of cough up some of the language so that it was very uh, authentic language of people that actually embrace this. And so Mr. Darby is one of those who doesn't take the Bible literally. In other words, um, that phrase, uh, take the Bible literally, means basically he doesn't take it in its entirety. He picks and chooses um, that which he wants to believe for himself. And, and again, kind of like Thomas Jefferson, you know, Thomas Jefferson, Jefferson Bible, he strained out anything um, that was of the divine uh, flavor from the Bible and uh, essentially created a Bible and created a Jesus that is just only a good teacher. Amen. Um, you have a, uh, another uh, false Jesus that may, uh, the title may confuse some, uh, who view Moses as a type of Christ. You, you title this false Christ the new Moses. How does that differentiate from an appropriate understanding of Moses being a type of Christ? Well, yeah, this, this new Moses is um, seeing Jesus as um, a new Moses who brings new and improved laws. And so we think of, you know, maybe Moses, the Ten Commandments are 1.0 type of laws, but this Jesus, he brings new laws that are improved that are 2.0. And the problem with this false Christ, this new Moses false Christ, is that he creates laws that are not in the Bible. And so in, in doing that, uh, this new Moses is all about creating laws usually that are um, the, the laws or the opinions or the stances of the individual person subscribing to this false Christ, and then these new laws that are used to judge everyone else around the individual. And if they do not meet up to these new laws, then therefore they're condemned. Well, the problem with this is when there are new laws and they're not in the Bible, well, if it's not the law of the Bible, then uh, it's really not sin. And so we know sin by the law. The law shows us what is good and true, and the law shows us how we understand our sin. But these new laws are made up, and usually they're made up by 
the person subscribing to this false Christ and their laws that are made up in a way for the uh, person subscribing to them that they can fulfill on their own strength. Uh, so it leads to a self-righteousness. And so again, this false Christ um, is all about man-made traditions um, and uh, self-justification. And so uh, it creates laws that the person can uh, fulfill in their own strength uh, and also rejecting the law of the Bible and then the person jumps through the hoops of this new, new Moses false Christ, and then they pat themselves on the back and condemn everyone else around them for not fulfilling these made-up man-made rules. Uh, at the risk of stirring up further controversy with my Roman Catholic friends, as I have a habit of doing, uh, doesn't the Church of Rome uh, perfectly reflect what you're talking about because of the fact that they invented traditions of men that eclipsed the traditions of the apostles and the commands of God. Yeah, this new Moses phrase was used um, by um, the, the founding father of our church, uh, the Missouri Synod, uh, C.F.W. Walther. And I believe, I, I'm, I'm almost 90% sure that, that, that uh, Martin Luther used this idea of new Moses as well in his writings. And so it, it's basically implying that, um, you know, if God's laws are not enough, then we add a bunch of human and man-made laws. But then what happens is that we reject the law of the Bible, and then we start living by these new laws. And typically what happens with these new laws that are man-made, um, they change. They're always changing depending on the opinion of the person subscribing to the false Christ. And so uh, my, my whole contention in this chapter on this book is we meet uh, a couple different individuals who have subscribed to this new Moses, a guy named Walter, uh, Walter is condemning uh, individuals around him on the basis of these individuals not fulfilling a law that he believes comes from this false Christ. But if it's not, if it's not from the scriptures, then how can we repent of it? Uh, so he's actually spiritually abusing individuals by applying law that is not of the Bible uh, to individuals, labeling them as sinners, and then not giving them an opportunity to repent of it, but they have to kind of... Um, appease this new law and and to uh, make it up and so it really leads to spiritual abuse we have Ronald in eastern Suffolk County Long Island New York who says what do you think of the false Christ that has been invented both by those who create a black Christ uh, which militates against the historical fact that he was Semitic or should I say Jewish and even the one that's existed for centuries, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant Christ with blonde hair and blue eyes and pale skin. Is this not a dangerous area to be treading on by anyone of any ethnicity, race, or culture? Yeah, very good question. Um, yeah, that, that indeed happens. And, and unfortunately, I don't really hit on that in the book as a false Christ. The closest thing that I would hit on that is, is the uh, uh, feminized Christ. Um, and that is a Christ who has definitely been feminized. And again, you strain, you know, we talked about before, we strain attributes of Christ out, or we add attributes of, you know, of Christ to him, uh, and then we create in our, the imagination of our mind a false Christ. And usually, again, like I said before, that these false Christs that we create are usually created in our own image as a way to justify ourselves in our own endeavors and our own aspirations. And so, again, that, when we go that route, we end up hijacking uh, the, the Jesus of the Bible, and we use him to suit our own fancy. And then, oh boy, it, just, it, it, it leads to chaos. 
uh, rather than leaving everyone, you know, whether uh, our ethnic background, whether um, our, our, our context, regardless of any of that, uh, the real Jesus will lead us all in a joint repentance, beating our breasts and confessing together that we are all sinners in need of forgiveness. Um, whereas when you create a false Christ, you have some who are living by their own righteousness and their own justification, and you're putting others under your thumb, and then you have division. But the real Christ, again, leads us all to repentance, uh, confessing we are sinners in need of grace, and then he, the real Jesus, then absolves us and gives us that wonderful, precious news of his grace and his mercy, that forgiveness of sins. Now, what do you mean by the Christ who is a mystical friend? Yeah, this one is, is very, uh, very prevalent, too, as well. Uh, what happens with this Jesus is that we, we can go the way of, uh, you know, taking Christ and we, we separate him. Now, we have to remember that, that Christ rose from the grave. Uh, he indeed rose from the grave, and he ascended to the right hand of the Father. So he has actually been raised bodily speaking. So Jesus right now lives victorious uh, with body and soul being reunited and is alive and well. And uh, uh, so he is, he's, a, he's a, a being, right? a human being who lives and, and reigns victorious. And we too someday will have resurrected bodies at the great resurrection. But what can happen is the mystical friend is we take Jesus and we strip away, you know, we strip away his body and then we take um, a spiritized, ethereal uh, being of Jesus, and we take that spiritized, ethereal Jesus, and we tuck him deep down in our heart. Now, here's the danger of doing this, is we tuck him so deeply in our heart that we confuse you know, Christ from our own emotions. And so then when we want to know what God's will is, or we want to understand life, instead of going outside of ourselves to the Word of God, we start digging around in our innards and digging around in the different layers of our heart, and we're trying to discern things on the basis of our own emotions and our feelings. And the problem when we do that is when we go to our inward feelings and emotions, um, I don't know about the rest of our listeners, but I, I typically don't trust myself because when I start looking inward, I want what Matt Richard wants, and usually what Matt Richard wants is sin versus looking outside of myself to the Word of God. And, and this, again, we want to make sure uh, in this chapter we're not uh, talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about separating Christ from his body, and then we take him captive and we throw him into the deepest desires of our heart, and then we let our desires and our own ambitions and our own thoughts run wild, and we write it off as, as the mystical friend Jesus uh, is justifying ourselves. And about uh, a minute time or a minute and a half, if you could explain the teddy bear Jesus. I hate even saying that phrase, but if you could. <laughs> this one, uh, yeah, twofold for this one. Uh, one, we, we, with the teddy bear Jesus, we strip any suffering, the nailed scarred hands, the blood. Uh, we, we pull that away from Jesus, so we skip over Good Friday uh, because we want to have a tame Jesus, so, you know, like a teddy bear that can sit on the shelf. And then we also strip away from this, this Jesus to, to create this false Christ. We strip away into any intellectualism. We strip away any um, doctrine or teaching because that's intimidating. So what we're left with is a Jesus that doesn't have any blood because the blood scares us. Uh, we're left with a Jesus that doesn't have any suffering because that scares us. And we're left with a Jesus that doesn't have any teaching because we don't want to have any teaching that would interrogate us or challenge us. 
So then we're left with a teddy bear that we drag around. But unfortunately, this teddy bear uh, is full of stuffing and really can do nothing against uh, sin, death, and the devil, and which is the reason why we need the real Jesus uh, to uh, come to us and to proclaim to us that uh, sin, death, and the devil have been indeed conquered. Amen. Well, we're out of time, and I know that your website for Zion Lutheran Church is zionguinner.org. That's zion, G-W-I-N-N-E-R.org. And I know that the Concordia Publishing House website is cph.org, cph for Concordia Publishing, Publishing House.org. You can also order the book, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up, through Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service, CV for Cumberland Valley, BBS for BibleBookService.com at CVBBS.com. Do you have any other contact information you care to give? Um, yeah, I would say uh, I have a blog that I use. Uh, you can find it on Google, but it's uh, PastorMattRichard.com or PastorMattRichard.org. Um, or if you just put Pastor Matt Richard in Google, it should pull it up. And uh, the place where I house uh, many of the different sermons and articles and so forth that uh, might be enjoyable for people. Well, I want to know if Zion Lutheran Church in uh, Gwinner, North Dakota, has a Gwinner Gwinner chicken dinner at any time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my kids, my kids say that all the time. Yep, yep, Gwinner Gwinner chicken dinner. Yep. <laughs> They've said that before. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I look forward to having you back on the program. If you could remain on the uh, the phone, I'd like to chat with you a bit after we go off the air. Sounds good. And I want to thank everybody who listened today. I want to thank everybody, especially who took the time to write in questions. And by the way, uh, Ronald in uh, Eastern Suffolk County, uh, you also won a free copy of the book we are we were addressing today. Uh, Will the real Jesus please stand up? Please make sure we get your mailing address. And Reverend Buzz Taylor, it's been a pleasure having you in the studio again. And I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner.